0: Hi there, welcome to the Way Beyond Words podcast hosted by me, Peter J. Ryan, and Abel Z. Each week you will be dropping in a conversation of ours about the techniques, psychology and philosophy of experiential focusing, and our favorite philosopher Eugene Genlin. Thanks for joining us. We agreed that we would, Try to understand something we find mysterious, which is what is this person who's lashing out, who's engaging in the social non-violent, this social violence? what are they experiencing, and we both felt that it seems mysterious that we're kind of kind of closed off from that experience, and we agree that we're going to use focusing both philosophically and technique wise to find this out, see what we find yeah.
1: yeah.
0: So with focusing, right, the place to begin is always with our direct experience. Mm -hmm. And that can be my direct experience right now, something I'm remembering right now. Not what I felt back then, but what I feel right now about remembering it. So I wonder if you can imagine some time where you were subjected to that kind of lashing out and try to imagine what's your felt sense of what that person's experiencing, of what that person experienced
1: Kind of lashing out. I mean, I guess most of my personal lashing out about, you know, like my current ideology has to do with being queer. And a lot of the time when people are saying, you know, reactive stuff about queer people, it it it's a sense of them needing to be protected from sexual harm. And that's where their fear is coming from. And feeling like something that they don't understand isn't safe because it might sexually harm them. Or in their past, maybe they were sexually harmed.
0: Or they're uh, genuinely but mistakenly trying to protect their children from sexual harm, like they may have experienced.
1: Right. Yeah, it turns into this kind of like heroic protectiveness Mm -hmm. that they feel is righteous.
0: Righteous protectiveness. Oh, yeah, totally, totally, yeah. When we were quiet there, I had a, um, a disturbing, a thought that really troubled me. And, um, it, it felt kind of cold, like right underneath my middle of my solar plexus, like a cold, like a cold fishing weight, like deep, deep Mm. in the sea or something. And the feeling was, and I don't know how it popped in, but I'm not sure what it relates to, but having been the object of um, such fury and having grown up with that sort of thing, I imagined what the other person was doing when they were, you know, attacking me. And the thought or the feeling, the felt sense, that cold fishing lure, deep cold fishing weight down at the bottom of the sea, like this plum weight, is something like the cold feeling of something like they're not seeing me at all, but I'm going to be hurt. Um, It's not me that they're attacking. uh, It's, you know, and that left me feeling kind of cold and frightened there for a second, like there was some feeling in the center.
1: It's not me. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: There's something about that that will... That cold feeling, what comes up for me when I think about that is that they will never hear me mm. and they will never understand what they're doing or or I won't ever understand why they wouldn't hear me. There's something about that, yeah.
0: Yeah, I know. I think I know exactly what that feels like.
1: And then, you know, in those situations, there I am considering all of the parts of why this would be happening for them, anyways. You know? For them. Yeah, for them. Yeah,
0: oh yeah. I think this is what a nonviolent person does, and what is perhaps outside of the physical courage that nonviolence requires, like when we think of the civil rights movement,
1: mm-hmm.
0: putting that truly heroic effort aside for the moment. Genuinely being nonviolent when faced with actual physical violence. Yeah. Okay, putting that aside, because that's not something I've experienced, really. That they'll never, ever hear me. And then you're, we're, as the nonviolent part (laughs) of the situation, we are both sorting, trying to understand for ourselves, and also trying to understand for them. Mm -hmm. Right? There's this larger moral horizon that we're creating in that space that includes their experience as well mm-hmm. and we're being uh, trying to be compassionate and trying to prevent them from doing more harm right. right i don't know a whole lot about how gandhi's thought developed um actually i know when i think about it, i know nothing about how his thought developed but i can assume that coming out of um a dharmic tradition of hinduism and buddhism it has something to do with the the inter, the intimacy that all beings have with one another, that they're all interpenetrating each other, mm-hmm. and that harm. It, that one reason t- for nonviolence is to prevent the other person from creating more harm to themselves. Because if they harm me, they're hurting themselves.
1: More harm to themselves. And been- so, by
0: being nonviolent and not getting pulled into it, we hope we are using our bodies and ourselves to let them see what they're doing clearly. And so they stop harming themselves Mm -hmm. because we are all interconnected. I have to imagine that's part of where Gandhi, Gandhi's thought and action evolved out of.
1: Yeah, that interdependence.
0: You know, that the British, even in an imperialist critique, the British are harming themselves as a culture by enslaving and exploiting the Indian nation, the Indian people, Mm -hmm. right? So can I hang in there long enough while I'm being screamed at and not react and just trust that at some point this other person will recognize the harm they're doing to themselves? Well, that is that. From the Experience Studio at Counts and Confidence in Doylestown, PA, Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Abel. And thank you, Mike Whartonby, for producing this. Join us next week. And in the meantime, have fun.